Good day, nerds. This is Megan McCarthy Bianc, book reviewer at the Nerd Cantina website and book author interviewer of the Nerd Cantina show podcast. Our Cantina conversation today features Veronica Gutierrez, author of As You Look. Um, I had a really enjoyable conversation talking to her about her uh, professional lives and her personal life and how her experiences inspired the story for uh, a LAPD officer turned PI, uh, Yolanda Avila. It was important for her to represent the LGBTQ community, just be really also realistic representation of both that community and the Hispanic community. The story is set in a neighborhood where she grew up, a suburb of the uh, of Los Angeles. So it was really cool to really see her inspiration and learn about her experiences and also uh, we talk about another project of hers called mixology on a mission where she puts on uh, mixology classes cocktail classes uh, to help uh, small charities small organizations raise money which i think is super cool and she was also so nice enough where i did receive her other sort of journal template book, um, my little black cocktail book. So I'm excited to start filling those pages with uh, my favorite recipes that I might come across, you know, while I'm out to eat, out to drink, or just having some fun with friends. So, you know, without further ado, we'll go ahead and get started. And here is Veronica Gutierrez. We are here with Veronica Gutierrez, author of As You Look, which is coming out on March 22nd. Thank you, Veronica, for, you know, taking the time to meet with us today. Um, I really enjoyed getting to know uh, Yolanda as uh, a character. She was, her and her little community were really, um, it was exciting getting to know them and, and their story. And I'm a sucker for like the suspenseful crime fiction type novels. So I was really excited to read this one. Um, but yep, thank you. And excited to dig, dig a little bit deeper here today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yep. Do we want, can we start off with like, maybe you give a brief summary of the book. So like people who are listening in can uh, follow along with some of the things we're going to be talking about. Sure. Sure, sure. It's a it's a detective novel, uh, hopefully a, a non-traditional one. Um, it's about a detective, a former uh, LAPD cop turned private investigator, uh, Yolanda Avila, who uh, who blames herself for her mother's death from a, a road rage accident. Um, she believes it's her fault, so she's got all this backstory involving this. Um, the uh, the perpetrator is a suspect that she had been trying to find and uh, someone that um, should have been caught um, uh, if she had tracked down the license plate number that she had. Any good detective would have done that. So she uh, she got cocky, tried to catch him uh, following clues from a dream. And the guilt now is eating her up because her mother died as a result. And the only self against that guilt is her vow to reject all of that juju stuff. She's going to stick to the facts. That's what she was taught at the police academy. She's going to be a detective that isn't going to you know, do anything other than follow the facts. Um, but the juju won't leave her alone. And then her godson is kidnapped. His parents are suspected of murder. And a, a stalker threatens her wife uh, to get Yolanda off the case. And now she has to deal with more than just the facts if she wants to uh, make sure that she doesn't lose yet another loved one. So that's, a, that's the, the gist of, of the story. Um, it takes place in Boyle Heights, which is the neighborhood in East Los Angeles where I grew up. Uh, so it features that part of town, uh, not often featured in, in, uh, in books or, or, t- or television. Uh, 
And it also features a, a very loving relationship um, with her African-American wife, Sydney, um, as well as her crew of queer and, and straight uh, people of color, uh, including her brother, Jesse, who's also a, a budding psychic or, or empath, who, uh, who's a little bit of a, of a hit and miss in, in, in his predictions. And she finds that somewhat endearing, uh, somewhat annoying. Um, and, uh, and all of this takes on a whole other tinge when, uh, when things get serious. Perfect. Yeah. So kind of going off of all of that, and you mentioned how, you know, the, the setting, the environment of your story is uh, set in your old neighborhood where you grew up. So what other kind of like inspirations or like from your background, from your life, you know, your experiences kind of helped you develop like your story, your characters, all that good stuff? Uh, I'd say, um, I'd say quite a bit, actually. I, um, you know, writing now is my you know, fourth or fifth career. So I've, okay. I've done a, a lot of different things. Um, and, um, and I, I've drawn from that life experience uh, for this. So I'm um, uh, a former community organizer. So there's a political tinge to some of this stuff. I am a former civil rights attorney. So uh, the background on, uh, on uh, Yolanda's case with the LAPD is, uh, is something that uh, is familiar to me. And I'm also a former um, executive at a nonprofit uh, and also an executive at a corporation, a for-profit corporation. So all of those worlds have come together for me somewhat uh, to inform some of the experiences in, uh, of the various characters in the book. Mm-hmm. So I was digging into your background a little bit to get to know, um, you know, just to prepare for this interview. And yeah, I, I, you have an impressive, an impressive, um, you know, a resume, I would say. So tell me a little bit more about that. Were you just, are you someone who like maybe just is like so motivated and, and you just found new waves and new paths, or is it maybe like on another side of it, where it's like, I don't want to say you get bored of something, but maybe you're just always looking for the next challenge, looking for the next area of need where you feel like you could put your talents to use. Like how, you know, because, because some of your uh, previous opportunities, your positions are, are pretty significant, I would say. So like how, you know, how did you take your career path? Like what, what happened there? How did you keep exploring uh, new ways to, you know, um, make an impact? Yeah, well, I am, I have had quite a few careers and uh, quite a few jobs. Um, my, my career path is more that of a millennial, I think, than, uh, <laughs> than it is of someone my age. But, um, but uh, I, so it started essentially because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went to law school after college um, and uh, figured you can, something you can always back, you know, uh, fall back on. When I first got out of law school, I actually worked in, in, on political campaigns and worked for municipal government. So a lot of it had to do with constituent services and, and community organizing around that. And um, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it's a great service that, that local uh, municipalities, cities and counties provide that are often overlooked. You know, people mm. who work for these municipalities are really dedicated folks. Um, so um, I really enjoyed that. But uh, at one point, you know, someone said, oh, you're getting bored. Why don't you, you know, come over here instead. And, and, and that started me moving a little bit. Um, I had gone to law school and I wanted to try practicing it before writing it off altogether. And sure. if I was going to practice it, I wanted to do civil rights litigation, which is exactly what I did. Um, and I loved it because I got to focus on writing 
and reading and research, which I had not been able to do before, where, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook and you're moving, yeah. you know, a thousand miles a minute. And even that became, you know, I love my, my clients. It became a little rote because the law doesn't change that much. Yeah. So a lot of what I was writing was just different back patterns for the same law and the law mm-hmm. doesn't change. And then someone asked me to come back to, to work for the city. So I did that. And then at that point, someone asked me to come and work for a corporation you know, where I was going to be able to do the same that I was uh, doing with the city, but with more money. Yeah. And I definitely <laughs> enjoyed that. And yeah. I figured I, I had had to earn more money. So, uh, um, so I'm taking care of my parents as well, helping my, mm-hmm. my siblings take care of my parents. So, so I did that and, and committed to it because I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to do so financially. And that was essentially it. But all along, I always wanted to write. So the story actually started taking shape way back when I was working for the city. And I, you know, I started it and it was fits and starts, you know, once in a while I'd pick it up and and get to it. But I didn't really look at it seriously until about four years ago when I, um, when I uh, retired early and uh and really started focusing on it and then i really enjoyed writing it yeah yeah that's that's awesome so have you had yolanda swimming around in your head for a while did you have this kind of storyline you know etched out a little bit in your brain before you know why you were kind of considering it or kind of daydreaming oh what, what would my life be like as a writer and then when you kind of got to it when you got to really flush this out like you know how how did that develop like what sort of like you know, research or, or inspiration or whatever went into like developing Yolanda as a character and then kind of how long has this uh, development journey uh, been taking place for you? Well, I would say the the actual development journey has probably taken about five years. So when I started mm-hmm. looking at it more seriously, I was still working and I wanted to make sure that I that I uh, developed the character and uh, and I started doing some research, like I say, I already had an idea of of who she was and what her background would have been. Um, I, I didn't quite have the full story in mind yet, but because of my city background, you know, the, 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 the story developed around, around things that I was familiar with at the city. And, uh, and I did some research because I, I, I'm not really familiar with private investigators. So I did, um, I did um, interview um, a woman who, uh, who was recommended to me by a friend. And yeah, it was really interesting because I, in the back of my mind, I always wanted my character to have an office in the Bradbury building in downtown Los Angeles. It's a very historic, beautiful, beautiful building. And I didn't know it at the time, but I interviewed this woman who happened to have an office. Oh, in wow. <laughs> and then I go to the building and it has um, it has this fantastic background uh, when uh, when it was first built by a, a, a mining tycoon. He fired the architect and hired a draftsman to do it. And the draftsman wasn't sure he wanted to do it. This was like just the, you know, the, the, before the 1900. And at that time, there were a lot of seances uh, that mm. people went to. It was the fashion. So he went to a seance to ask his brother uh, what he should do. And, and his brother said to do it because it would be successful. It would be a successful project. So I didn't know all this part of the history, but I learned about it when I went to interview this one particular uh, private investigator who also told me that there was, there used to be um, an internal affairs office for the LAPD in that building. Mm. So my character has got, had, had, you know, trials and tribulations with internal yeah. affairs and LAPD. Um, there's all the psychic stuff that, that, that comes into it. So it just kind of started coming together at that point. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. 
Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I thought that's it awesome. Then, and the I, universe kind of spoke to you a little bit, like coaxed you a little bit, like, this is okay. This is what you should be doing. That's awesome. So <clears throat> kind of going off on that, like the juju stuff, um, Yolanda relies on about, and it seems to be like, a, like almost like a family thing where, you know, her brother has experiences with it. And then we find out she learns more about like her family history. Um, and then with her Nina, her godmother is, is really, really into it. Um, so did you learn about that growing up? Was that like also part of, you know, or any, I don't culturally, maybe that was a part of it, but then also, you know, was it kind of just speaking to you more once you were doing the research about the, like the Bradbury building and stuff? Yeah, it is definitely part of my childhood. Um, the, the godmother is actually based on my sister's godmother, who okay. was a curandera, a, a healer. Um, not necessarily psychic in the sense of that, that I have in the book. Um, she really is uh, more into, um, you know, herbs and, and, and homeopathic type stuff um, and, and some spiritual stuff. Um, all of us in our family have direct experience with that. Um, a lot of people in, in our neighborhood have a lot of direct experience with that. So it seemed natural to me to, to put it in there um, because there was such a strong frame of reference uh, yeah. for it from, uh, from experience. Yeah. That was so interesting. Cause you know, cause some, I think it's a lot of, you know, crime solving, if they've got some sort of the psychic or, or juju aspect of it, it's almost like the person's like relying on it. Like that's their thing, but you have Yolanda, like totally rejecting it, totally fighting it for good reason. Cause she, she thinks, well, I was going off of it before. Then look at this horrible thing that would never have happened had I just not been so focused on that part of it and so it's interesting where like it's a different type of character that she's she's not she like wants she's done with it she doesn't want she wants to fight it but then it makes it seems like it makes it worse and I love how you kind of like incorporated that into like well you incorporated that um with you know the the mental health part of it like kind of like well if I sense a calm a calmness then maybe this is okay like I don't need to be so afraid of it it's like but, you know, she's got panic attacks when it was like really, really, really trying to speak to her. And I just thought that was really cool how, you know, you you took it down to another level where you had the character like really physically experiencing it because people with like anxiety or depression or or all these other, um, you know, issues, they it does affect them physically. And I thought it was so cool how you you incorporated that, like how it would like it would it, she would take it more seriously because. She's trying so hard to ignore it, but it's not letting her. And, you know, it's having so many other like implications on like her well-being, like mentally and physically and how she's trying to like judge her relationships with her family and her, her friends and her marriage. And, um, you know, until like she literally like, like cannot ignore it. And I thought that was super cool. I really thought that the marriage, their relationship between Yolanda and Sydney was like super adorable, you know, and so like, and like heartwarming where, you know, she's very valuable in her career too. Cause Sydney's like, she's a doctor, right? Like she works in the emergency yeah. room. Yeah. And yeah. so like, that definitely comes in handy. And I thought, you know, interesting how you got a PI former cop and like, you know, and people in public service and how that kind of stress can like take a toll on um, the marriage, but nevertheless, I thought, you know, how it was so funny how Sydney, like her background is in like medicine and stuff, but she was still like, 
Like, no, you should listen to this. Like, why don't you go talk to your brother? Or why don't you go talk to, you know, your godmother or whatever? And um, so does that like, does that come from like your relationship? And, you know, you could, and we could be like as personal as you want to be. And also we do want to be spoiler free too. But, you know, like how, how are the other like relationships that you've seen where you've grown up with or you've seen with, you know, your own um, community, you know, how did you develop that relationship? And like, how did that become such an integral part of, of Yolanda, like, you know, coming to terms with, you know, we could call it a gift or just how she has to handle it. I'm I'm glad you're asking that. Um, One of the things that um, I discussed with a book coach, because I actually got a book coach when I started writing the the book, we can go into that as well. But one of the things that I, that I stressed was that I wanted to make sure that I depicted an unapologetic, lesbian love and marriage mm-hmm. um, because there are so many negative portrayals out there are so many you know stereotypical drama type relationships out there and I wanted to to put something out there that uh, depicted a healthy relationship um, and you also wanted you know plenty of punch and suspense but with the main characters um, I wanted to make sure they weren't queer caricatures yeah, um, I wanted them just to feel real and and, and normal, but mostly because that's my life. You know, I have yeah. a wonderful wife, and you know, we have a good relationship. And you know, among our circle, um, we have a lot of friends. You know, we're definitely not the L word, right? We're you know, we're not dramatic like that. Um, we're fairly normal, almost boring lives. <laughs> but you know, we all love each other. It's it's a very supportive group, and you can you can have that. Um, so I wanted to make sure that that was portrayed um, somehow. Um, I also wanted to make sure I didn't have the protagonist be a broken character. You know, so many uh, archetypes in the detective uh, novel uh, genre are, are, you know, alcoholics or, you know, have you know, serious, serious issues um, that, you know, so much so that they can barely function outside of an investigation. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I wanted to depict you know, people that, you know, could be living next door. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, that, that folks could know uh, that, that would sound familiar. Um, and especially um, because they're familiar to me uh, and mm-hmm. to, and to my friends. I, the way that you familiar. wrote that relationship, I could definitely, aside from the names and the pronouns, like I definitely could, could see it as a straight uh, opposite sex relationship, just as much as it was the same sex. Like, I like that you said, like, no, I didn't want it to be like the stereotypical or, you know, any negative connotations that you might see in other forms of like entertainment, because that was one thing that stood out to me about the relationship, because I know how important it is to like have representation and and to explore these other, you know, involve all these other types of communities and and into storylines and and um, integrate them into, you know, everybody has a story and there are a million different ways to tell a million different stories and it's it's so important that you know that's not all of what it is like yes it's a same-sex marriage but that's you know that's just part of who she is like she's a pi she has a history uh in her career that you didn't go that well and she like you know and her mm-hmm. her family her relationships are are very important to her and she's got he's she's dealing with her own things and just yeah um being in a same-sex marriage and and having a wife and and loving uh people of the same gender is just like 
um, like how you kind of said it like that boring uninteresting part of her it's like it's just it's almost like it's just as standard as the for lack of better words it's like okay well this part of who she is she's married um she's in a healthy relationship and she's close with her family and her community of friends and that's should be applicable and unexciting towards like with any character i would say so i love that you know it definitely came across on the page where it's like i couldn't if I didn't know their names or their pronouns, I wouldn't have known it was same sex. It was just as, you know, written, could have been written as an opposite sex couple or what have you. So, um, no, and I, I appreciate uh, stuff like that. Just, just, you know, variety and and diversity and um, getting to read like all these different types of stories from all these different types of perspectives. It makes life more interesting in general. So going off of like developing the story, because this is like your first book, right? Like, that's right you know how yeah okay (laughs) that's super exciting um so what we're like let's explore like your experience of writing and and developing and publishing and all all that whole process of uh writing your first book like and also I want you know the lessons learned biggest challenges biggest things you got out of it that type of stuff it's uh, it's been quite a quite an education. It's uh, it's been uh, it's been a challenge, um, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've mm-hmm. just learned so much, and and things just kind of fell in place. You know, kind of like you know when I interviewed the, the private investigator at the Bradbury Building. I retired. I wanted to, to make sure I focused on on reading stuff that I had not had a chance to read for a long time. So. I spent about four or five months just reading. And during that time, I came across, um, and I knew I wanted to start writing the the following year. I came across a book called um, Story Genius by Lisa Cron. And she writes about the psychology of getting pulled into a story and how we are biologically uh, predisposed to want to hear stories. And um, she she talks about how the backstory is really important. It doesn't make it into the book necessarily, or you get bits and pieces of it. But the backstory is really important for you to really know your characters. So she has this exercise in this book where you do the backstory, you write up the backstory, you write up what she calls the aha moment, which is right in the middle somewhere where something clicks for the character. And then you write the ending. And if you have those three components, you can write your story and, and some people outline, some people don't, and, um, but you can, you can move it along. And I did that. I read the book. I did that. And then I found that she had a workshop with a group called um, Author Accelerator that a woman named Jenny Nash put together. And it is a fantastic group. She basically, she trains book coaches, offers um, a program where you can work with a book coach for six months. So I'd already done the Story Genius Workshop. Um, I needed to flesh out the outline a bit more um, and and get going on the writing. And that six months gave me the opportunity to do that. I worked with Erin McCabe, who was a wonderful, wonderful book coach, kept focusing on, you know, showing versus telling and, you know, pacing the book a certain way. And, you know, while not writing it, you know, was really would get into the story. And she loved my characters too. So she was a big cheerleader for it as well. Yeah. <laughs> and really helped me write forward. So I was able to I was able to do this outline that, you know, the, the approach that, that they that they take where 
you have the plot, but you also have the character development going along with it. And everything's moving along at some point. And, uh, and I did that with them. So the, the biggest lesson I think um, I learned in going through that process is that one can never underestimate the benefit of a book coach, no matter what approach you use. Now, some people do an outline and they, they plot out their book you know, to, you know, very, in a very detailed way. And some people are what they call pantsers, where, you know, I don't know, I have this idea, <laughs> I'm going to start writing and we'll see where it goes. I, yeah. I have no idea how people do that. But, uh, but I don't like a real detailed outline either. Um, I'd rather have something that gives me a guidance and then I, I'll write to it and things can, you, know, you can tweak things here and there as you move along because characters will speak to you and you'll do something different with them than you thought you were going to do originally, you know, that type of thing. Um, but working with them, Aaron McKay, the book coach, was absolutely wonderful. I think that was just invaluable. And having the, had the opportunity to do that was really great. And she also recommended, um, and, and through that program, they recommend getting uh, readers for your book, uh, basically um, what they call advanced uh, advanced readers. And I had several, some of them were, you know, because if you, if you if you have your friends read your book, they're like, oh, this is a great story. And like, I want, I want criticism. I want, you know, ideas. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> where, where, where is it lacking, you know? So I, I ended up getting some of those. I met um, an emergency room doctor who just, just by chance um, at a, at a party. And he was really into, you know, reading uh, detective novels um, and into okay. mixology. And, you know, I, I, I like making cocktails too. So we talked a lot about that and, and he offered to read the book and, and this guy's like, you know, he's an emergency room doctor. He's a busy man. Um, so I, I didn't really follow up, but he followed up with me and said, Hey, okay. am, am I going to see your book? I'm like, well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave me some great tips on, on the, on the career progression of Sydney, the, the, the wife in this case, the, I wasn't quite sure if her education and, and, um, professional um trajectory was right and sure. uh, and he helped me with that and he, he also helped me with some uh, emergency room procedures you know that, mm-hmm. um, you know without giving too much away he said basically no nah, that one would they, they would send that person home that, 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 that second <laughs> night you should probably do that scene at, at, at their house right and I'm like oh okay so um so <laughs> tips like that were invaluable yeah absolutely and I love that um how you said like oh I I met this ER doctor who who loves to read and and I'm like okay well there's more signs from the universe kind of coaxing you along sending you little like you know situations putting it in place to to help you and um flesh out and bring this you know bring this project to fruition that's like that's so cool you know during that whole thing like what were what were like two-parter what were like your what were the most difficult parts to write and then what were like the most fun or your favorite parts to write I would say that the most difficult part to write was the the, the kidnapping part mm. and uh, and the the point of view of the little boy. Yeah. Where, well, you know, it's just I don't um, I don't go in for gore or you know I I'm, I'm, I'm actually almost more a fan of the the cozier mysteries. But okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I had trouble I had trouble with that. Um, I had trouble writing and putting him in in uh, in certain situations. Uh, so that was that was probably the most difficult part in terms of the well, I don't know if it was the easiest, but the most fun to write was probably the the exchange with uh, the godmother uh, when mm. they talk about uh, about the juju, about what it can mean and, and, and just the 
the the rich history um, uh, behind um, I think uh, was something that I that I enjoyed that and and obviously the the relationship um, yeah I probably could have done more with um, uh, with more characters in the in the in in her crew but it would have uh, it would have affected the pacing because I, sure. I have a lot more stories to tell uh, that um, that would be really great in reinforcing the the bond uh, that a lot of these characters have. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you have more stories in mind, you don't want to front load too much. Cause I, I, when I picked it up, I was like, Oh, this book is not that long. This is great. Like, you know, when I get hooked, I'll just breeze right through it. No problem. But even though some people might think like, Oh, it's too short. It's almost like, well, like I still got the sense that like, well, she probably has more planned for this, for this woman, for her relationships and for uh you know her community and as a pi it's like you know in that type of community and with her connections too it's kind of like well yeah like there's there seems to be like almost any direction you could go like how could you not have a million ideas for that and so i kept that in mind because i definitely there were some parts where i was like wait a second like can we get more on this or like, wait, okay. I hope she goes back to that. I hope this is going to be fleshed out more. And, and, but I think it's just me as a reader, um, having to be patient and having to appreciate like, you know, the big picture, like, you know, yes, I, I assume this could be planned as a standalone, but also if you continue with more Yolanda stories, it's like, there's just more opportunities for you to, to flesh out those little introductory, uh, blurbs out because yeah like especially relationships with her family or maybe some little flashbacks that she has or or memories it's, it's kind of like oh but wait a second wait wait like <laughs> I just found myself being like oh wait is she gonna come back to this but it's like now nah, she's probably gonna she's probably got a million it planned in this series with this like fascinating and lively environment and um you know because I think about like you know because it's a different part of the world I'm like in or the country because I'm in Chicago and so um you know LA is and I've read like uh true crime fiction it's like um not true crime fiction novels where um they are set in like Chicago and then I've read other cozy ones that are set either in like you know Miami for example and so this was cool to like it's like okay here's like another part and I I love like reading it like it's very similar types of like like genres but then it's like still you've got this community and then you've got this community and it's like what kind of crime and what kind of connections can happen here so um I you know I love that you you kind of mentioned it that you know so is it safe to assume that there's more Yolanda in the future like do you have any rough outlines planned for her I I definitely have a a second in mind the um, the community and I'm glad you you you, you caught on to that um, in terms of the the neighborhood Boyle Heights is a, it has a very rich history itself it's a it's a, it's a part of town that a lot of immigrants came to uh, almost every immigrant group that came came through LA came through Boyle Heights and there are some really strong relationships with the Japanese community the Jewish community um, the, the the black community so I want to take more of that and and pick more of that in uh in a in another story and uh, i already have a lot of ideas about about that about which community i'm going to focus on yeah. as a as a as another character uh, if you will in the story so i'm working on it i'm doing some research for it now um and uh and hopefully i can uh, get to writing it 
yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, go long, I go on long walks and I'll, they, they come into my head and yeah. what I want to do. But yeah, I, I, I do like the idea of the place playing the role of a character almost. I, you know, I read it, uh, a lot of um, Sarah Peretzky's uh, V.I. Warshawski novels. They're based in, in Chicago. Um, mm. And I love her stuff. Kara uh, Black has her Emily Duke novels based in Paris. That I, mm. I love what she does with those, with those neighborhoods in Paris. Uh, Cheryl Head has a, a Charlie Mack uh, series based in uh, in Detroit. So I really like the towns where a lot of these are, are based. And of course, there are a lot of uh, other authors who focus on Los Angeles. Than, uh, right, too. right. Yeah, it definitely sets the vibe. And it definitely gives you like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like how you kind of say it, like it's, it could be another character. It's just like such a huge part, mm-hmm. integral part of the storyline and how the character, how that might affect the character development and the the people who are important to them. And just, you know, and it, especially in your background and your community work and your activism and, and being involved with, you know, both corporate and municipalities and nonprofits you've seen all walks of life. You've, you've been immersed into all these different types of how these different types of environments, uh, you know, might work or not work with each other. So I love that, you know, you, you're, you're rich and your um, your diverse, like your, your background has helped you like develop and really bring these characters to life and bring the, the Los Angeles, uh, suburbs to life and, um, you know, trying to explore, you know, these background, the backgrounds of these characters, um, you know, and doing all your research for things that you didn't necessarily have direct experience. And that's probably like the hardest part is really like making it just getting a thorough understanding about it enough to, to feed off of it, to like explore that and to, to go off and, and create something new from it. Um, so yeah, I love that, you know, set in, set in LA and you're from there. I I could definitely tell that you, you know, it had a little special place in your heart. You were like, you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to life here. And I loved it. So kind of going off of like, you know, other projects that you work on, what other things like besides writing or, or, you know, brainstorming your, your next story, what other things are like you working, are you working on um, that maybe you want to talk about? Sure. Um, my, uh, my wife and I are, are big travelers and, and, uh, and uh, we love uh, cocktails. Mm-hmm. So we, ha- we do a fundraisers for, for local nonprofits. And I, I like to pick small nonprofits um, and we help them um, increase their donor base by hosting um, uh, mixology lessons as fundraisers. So, you know, you can go to a fundraiser and have, you know, do the rubber chicken circuit and go to a boring boring dinner, or you can have an experience. And, um, uh, you know, some people do painting, some people cook, whatever. So what we do here at our home bar is we teach uh, people how to make cocktails. We go through several cocktails and then uh, the people who who come go out and, and make them on their own and then we coach them at different stations, uh, if you if you will, in our in our home. And what we do is we provide the uh, the venue, our home, the entertainment, which is the mixology lesson. Uh, we provide the food, which is usually catered by a friend of ours, and all the nonprofit has to do is send out the invitations and get the people there. 
So we've had that and it's, uh, it's, it's varied a little bit. Um, some people do it as a treat for their board of directors and, and do the lesson there. Uh, others have done it for small groups and some have done it for large groups, larger than we anticipated coming. All of them have been a tremendous uh, amount of fun um, and people really like it. Uh, it's a good experience. And we've done multiple ones um, for, for different organizations. Uh, one organization on the east side, uh, the East Yards Communities for Environmental Justice is one. We've done it for Dyke Day LA. We've done it for uh, Bloom Again, an organization that helps women who are going through uh, serious illnesses um, to help, um, help them uh, recover. We've done it for a group called Project Q that helps a lot of homeless queer youth. Um, just, just about everywhere. Um, uh, Mujeres de la Tierra, which is another environmental organization here locally, uh, small organizations for the, for the most part. Um, and we've also done um, birthday parties. Okay. <laughs> so during, during the pandemic, we couldn't host, obviously. We sure. weren't going to do that. We were being very careful. Um, so we did some of the, the fundraisers on Zoom. I did about three fundraisers on Zoom. And friends asked, you know, hey, would you, would you mind doing this for a birthday party? A friend who's going to do a Zoom birthday party. And, you know, people got really creative about how they were doing it. Yeah. They were socializing through Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so I did several of those. Um, and through the fundraisers, they actually had a fundraising aspect in their birthday parties. Um, one of them had a full-on DJ. We're not going to do... Um, big gatherings uh, for a while yet until, you know, hopefully Omicron goes away. But we'll see. We, we're definitely looking forward to doing more of those. Uh, we call it mixology on a mission. Um, I love that. Is, uh, is what we do. I love that. I think that is such a unique way to do fundraising because you know with with the exception of people who just don't drink but then you're like well i got a mocktail for you you know it's <laughs> it's really like you could get so creative and i exactly. love that it, like exactly. yeah <laughs> and you could get just get like so creative with that and just some some people bring you know will bring their kids with them because you know they, <laughs> they they can't see the kids at home so we set up um shirley temple stations and, you know, surely temples are really easy to make, but when you get yeah. the kid using the little jigger and measuring stuff, and uh, it, it adds a little bit to it. And the kids made a lot of money on tips. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> they, they enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. So we, we, it, we, we usually set up a little station for them as well. But, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that, well, we'll give, a, we'll give out a book. I actually had a book published. Uh, it's actually a journal called My Little Black Cocktail Book, where you can jot down recipes. And I did it just because I wanted to get experience doing the, the, the publication process. I'm oh, okay. Yeah. Publication and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's not a, it's not a book of recipes. It's just helps you jot it down. So I give it out at, you know, when I go to bars and bartenders are generous with their recipes, I'll, you know, they'll get a book, you know, that kind of thing. I don't do a whole lot to sell it, but, uh, sure. but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's a, it's a good gift to, to, to give out to people. So we do that too. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I, I love that. So like how, what were like some of the biggest hits as far as, you know, what's a fan favorite crowd favorite um, as far as like the cocktails that you pick out, do you go off of like, the theme of the event or, or the organization, or do you kind of just, are there ones that are just safe <laughs> to go with? Like they're yeah, very yeah. enjoyable. Um, well, it, it, it depends on people's taste. Um, but we, um, we find that uh, a lot of people who are especially new to cocktails like them on the sweeter side. So uh, mojitos end up being really popular. We do a, a berry mojito that has a macerated berry syrup in it. 
And I don't know if it's popular just because people like mojitos or because the kids who act as our as our servers and our and our waitresses, you know, they're like little kids, you know, nieces and nephews, um, will go out and they and they push the berry one. I think because they like it too. But yeah. <laughs> but 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 uh, we did have one one um, uh, group that really made a lot of them uh, at one of their stations. It's basically a mojito just with that with the macerated berries. And someone said, uh, oh, my God, that the, the very berry mojito opened my third eye. <laughs> yeah, they really enjoyed it. But there's oh, that. That's... And there's also a lot of folks who like um, who like bourbon, uh, who, who like spirit forward drinks. And we've come up with some um, as well there with um, blood orange uh, juice uh, and a little bit of a, a simple syrup, some bitters and a pinch of salt. Pinch of mm. salt makes a, a huge difference uh, in, in that drink. And uh, it's, a, it's basically a bourbon smash. So it's bourbon, okay. uh, blood orange, lime juice, and a little bit of a, a simple syrup. And, uh, and that one's really popular. Yeah. So I've never like heard of salt though, but that makes a lot of sense that it would just a little bit would do a lot. Like it would go a long way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of test it out and you go like this, they say, oh, salt and pepper to taste. And it makes so much sense to do it with uh, with cocktails. That's so cool. I love that you guys found a way to do something that you like, do something that's kind of creative. It allows uh, the participants, the attendees to be creative and they take mm-hmm. something with them because I'm all like definitely a fan of like experiences versus physical gifts or whatever and like I think yeah after a while of years being married to my husband I just like I don't there's not enough that I like I want that I would say this is what I want for Christmas or this is what I want for my birthday I'm kind of like you know because we have two little boys a one-year-old and a four-year-old so I'm like can I just like have a day to myself like (laughs) you know can I just like go you know read my book somewhere or go see a movie or go like just have my own little spa day, like whatever, or just, can you just put it aside? Like for our next trip, you know, less that I have to pay for myself when we go on our next trip, like just put it in the, in the experience fund. Cause yeah, it's just, yeah, after a while, or maybe you just get to a certain age where there's not a whole lot, you know, desire for, mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, I find more value in like, can I just get some time to myself or can I like go somewhere and go do something fun? And so I'm right there with you. And I love, I love that idea of mixing the fun with helping out organizations that might, might otherwise, you don't have a hard time of, of fundraising and getting the numbers and getting the word out and getting that type of exposure. So no, I, I love that. It's, that's awesome. A couple other things want to wrap up real quick. All right. We talked about what's next for Yoli a little bit. So I didn't get the copy I got, you know, was kind of a blank uh, cover, but I did see the the cover of it. So like how much like input do you, did you have for that? How did that process go out? Cause I imagine like, you know, but this being your first book, you're probably like, Oh my gosh, the cover. Like, so how, how did that go for you? I'd love the process for the cover. Um, yeah. Bell of books, uh, the publisher just, you know, was very accommodating. And um, my brother took the picture. Um, okay. That's on, that's on the cover. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically a, a shot of uh, downtown LA at yeah. night, um, taken from the neighborhood, from right, you know, from the Boyle Heights neighborhood, which is across the river from LA. So you see the bridge that goes yeah. over the river and all of downtown. And uh, and he's a, a great photographer. He's a teacher, but he's a good, a really good amateur photographer. So he took it. And when I saw that picture when you first took it, I thought, God, this would be a great cover. And I like the idea of, of, of those colors of the sunset 
yeah. and black below it because it's a detective yeah. novel. And, um, and I provided that. Um, I had my own mock-up of it and I provided that to the publisher and they liked it. They tweaked it a bit, but, uh, but they really liked it and, uh, and went forward with it. So that I, I have to say was one of the easiest things to do with, uh, with this publisher. I had been warned that, oh, you know, the, the publisher is going to select the cover for you. You might not be happy with it. They're the ones who know what sells. And, uh, and I was just really happy that they, that they liked it. Yeah. That's awesome that they kind of like listen to your input and they're like, no, this is, this is great. You know? Mm-hmm. Cause I, yeah. Cause I, I like, <clears throat> cause I always like, that's interesting. Like talking to other authors about it. Cause I feel like the process, the book cover process is different for everyone. Um, you know, where they don't get much of a say, but it ends up working out like, or they have a lot of a say and, you know, they have like spreadsheets and all that of like their, their vision. And um, so that I love that. That's awesome. And then it, it just kind of like, you know, that much, it's that much more special to you for you as like a first time published author. And, and the fact that like, you know, your, your family, your brother, you took it and you were like, oh no, let's, this is just like it's it's aligning up a little bit too well here. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So before we get going, uh, are you do you have like a web you have a website and social media um, that people could find you? Sure, at uh, veronicagutierrez.com. Um, has the the website has some some stories a little bit of uh, background on um, what's behind the book and what's behind my writing. Um, I, I probably need to. Uh, increase the writing on there now. Uh, I do have um, a Twitter account and, a, and a, an Instagram account. The Instagram account, VG author, and it's at VG author. The Twitter account is uh, VG underscore author. And there's also the cocktail one, the, uh, my little black cocktail book uh, Instagram that, uh, that has a lot of pictures of cocktails and recipes too. Uh, so oh, this is another another aside. So so yeah. So uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and um, and the website, and the website has links to all the social media as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'll have to follow. Um, I I think I did start following you, but I'll have to follow the your little black cocktail book okay. one too. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, because sometimes it just depends. Like if I'm in the mood, we've got you know all the tools, but just a, a fun little way to to try something new for sure um you know as to, far as uh, mixing okay don't they that's fine too yeah for <laughs> sure that would be super cool um it's like i have like a million books but that one would be you know mixing fun and uh research <laughs> so right. yeah for sure no that's i love that idea i love everything that you're doing um i love your background and where you're coming from and how you know, you're, you're working hard to just get your story out there and to represent your community and, you know, other communities from where you grew up. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see and to keep up with more of Yolanda's stories and, and where her job takes her, and, uh, where the juju takes her anyway, too. Um, so Veronica Gutierrez, uh, book is called, as you look, it comes out on March 22nd. Um, thank you so much. A real pleasure talking to you and I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to be on the lookout for all the other stuff that you've got going on too. Thank you so much, Megan. Really appreciate your having me on. And there you have it. That was Veronica Gutierrez with As You Look. Very enjoyable conversation, like I said. If you want to check it out, it's available. Um, You can read my review online at the Nerd Cantina uh, website, nerdcantina.com. 
Um, as always, rate, review, and subscribe. Keep an eye out for the book. Anybody has any book recommendations for me or if they need book recommendations, I'm always happy to give my suggestions to anybody who's a fellow bookworm like me. And you look at the show notes, you can find uh, social media on the website for Veronica if you want to follow her work um, and to see what's next for Yolanda. But as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.